So if you would all just bow with me uh, as we continue our systematic study. Our Father, our God, again, I just say thank you. Thank you for Christ. He does all things well. Father, thank you for this, this, this time, this day etched in eternity that you allowed us to come. Father, uh, as it's been prayed and it's been stated, thank you for the rain, much needed rain, Father, to uh, uh, restore the earth, uh, to replenish it. Uh, it's been such a long time since we've had serious rain. Uh, but Father, you sent it and we appreciate it. Be with us this morning. Let everything that we say and do give you glory honor and praise. Father, uh, give me what to say, no more, no less, and open up our hearts to receive it. It's in the name of your Son, our Savior, the Christ, that we ask it all. Amen. Amen. So we are continuing our, our systematic study of Paul's letter to the Romans. Last week, we looked at the 26th and the 27th uh, verse, and the A part of the 26th verse uh, read, in the same way, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Uh, Paul begins, um, just a bit of a recap, uh, in the same way. Just as the Spirit gives us hope, the Spirit also helps us, as Paul writes, in our weakness. It's a big deal. This, this is really a big deal. He helps us in our weakness, as one theologian uh, writes. This means more than the Spirit helping us as we struggle with our infirmities. The Spirit also shoulders our burden along with us. The Spirit shoulders our burden along with us. And the verb translated here, help us, is found in only is found in a few places in the Septuagint in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, but only in one other place in the New Testament, and it was when Martha was complaining to Jesus about uh, Mary uh, not pulling her weight uh, in in her opinion. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations she had had to make had had to be made. She came to him and asked, "Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work?" by myself, tell her to help me. Tell her to help me. The idea is clear. There's something that needs to be done. And so Martha feels is incapable of doing it. And she asked Jesus to tell her to help me. Again, Paul writes, in the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness. It's a very real thing. This is just not a theoretical thing. This is in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. The very real help that the Spirit provides is in our weakness, specifically as it relates to prayer. And Paul doesn't, as I shared last week, Paul doesn't uh, bother to spare our feelings or waste or, or mince words. Uh, uh, he's not implying that we don't know how to pray. He's saying we don't know what to pray for. Uh, keep in mind, uh, just as Paul spoke of uh, the flesh in a matter-of-fact way, he lays out the obvious with our weakness. It just is. It's, don't, don't look at it as a, oh, I'm such a simple person. I just don't know what to pray for. It's like 99.9999% of the time, you don't know what to pray for. We say words. 
we're, we're, we're good at saying words, uh, but, but what we should be praying for, that's where the Holy Spirit steps in. Uh, when we recognize this reality, it really ought to change our life and how we operate. Um, if I think I can do a certain thing, why would I ever seek help? If I think I can do a certain thing, why would I ever seek help? But if I know that I am incapable of praying for those things that I really need to pray for, but I've got somebody that's praying for me. As one theologian writes, the Holy Spirit lays hold of our weakness along with us and carries his part of the burden facing us as if two men were carrying a log, one at each end. Say again, Paul doesn't say, well, he's going to fix our weakness. It's like, no, you're, you're weak. You're, you're corporeal. You're, you're in flesh. You, you have limitations. Uh, uh, and instead, the Spirit intercedes for us through what? Wordless groans. Why again? Why does the Spirit do this? Because we don't know what to pray for. I just, I know, I know, I know, well, pastor, I, I, you know, I've, I've learned the, the ACTS, the adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Uh, we don't know what to pray for. How much do we not know what to pray for? A lot. Uh, and that, the what and the how of prayer uh, are the opposite sides of the same coin as I shared last week. Uh, but while, but Paul seems to bring out is that we can be clueless as to what we should be praying for. As I shared again, I share now as I shared then. Paul was a perfect example. He knew what he was talking about as he wrote to, this, uh, to the church at Corinth. To keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. And three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. Three times. Three times. And I'm sure, uh, I don't know if the three was just a, a stand-in for multiple times. I, I, and I'm sure Paul knew how to pray. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He knew, he knew the ACTS. He knew, he knew how to pray. And he prayed. And uh, God said, no, no. Uh, I shared before, I share now. I am so thankful to God that much of what I've prayed for over the arc of my life, God was like, no, mm -mm, we're not doing that. We're, we're just not doing that. Uh, from education to jobs to relationships, nope, nope, we're, we're, we're not going there. Uh, but again, I want to caution everyone. Uh, well, I prayed, uh, such and such happened, it didn't turn out well. A lot of times we pray as a, as a pretext to what we want to do. And then go ahead and try and append. It's almost like that, that, that sticker you put the, you know, on the back of, you, you've seen it as a teacher, kick me. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's like you, you put the little sticker on trying to chase God around. It's like, hey, 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 hey you, 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 you gave me this. It's like, no, you pursued that. God just stepped back and it's like, oh, you want it? Okay, all right, go, go for it. Uh, just, just, just go for it. Uh, 
Well, God, you, you gave me, we wanted a king just like everybody else has a king. Okay, all right, you want a king? Here, here's your king. How's that working out for you? How, how's that work? I want a boo just like everybody else has a boo. Okay, all right, all right. How's that working out for you? Oh, God, why did you give me that person? Why did you, it's like, I didn't give you that person. You pursued that person. I didn't give you that job. You pursued that job. You, pre, you, you don't, uh, this is just rap. And, and verse 27, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. God the Father searches our hearts. He knows what the mind, the will, the purpose of the spirit of God. And just as Jesus explained to Philip, as we align ourselves with the power and purpose of God, God will do anything we ask because that's what God wants to do for us from the very beginning. So as we align with him, as we align with him, God is like green lighting everything. It's like, yep, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. It's like, wow, this is amazing. That's because you're in the will of God. You're in his will. Uh, we pray for a lot of stuff. We, we, we really do. Uh, let me just, let's just keep on, keep on moving on. Uh, so today, we pick up right from that to verse 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Um, the NIV and other translations see the 28th verse as a new thought, the beginning of a new paragraph, okay? Uh, from the 26th and the 27th. Other versions see the 28th directly connected with the preceding, what we just read. Suffice it to say, there's connected spiritual tissue going on here, and uh, I think it'll be obvious here in a second which way you, uh, you'll see how I lean. Because we don't know what to pray for, because we don't know what to pray for, the Spirit intercedes and speaks on our behalf with wordless groans that the Father understands. And the Father who knows the mind of the spirit, responds to the intercession. You're with me, you're with me. What's the result? Whatever situation we are in, we are in, God works it out for good. The good, to the benefit, to the best purpose, there's a lot to unpack here. Uh, now let me just say up front that uh, if we're not careful, we can take this verse and, and misappropriate it to justify even disobedience. We can take this and we can make it, make it turn on its head and make it do things. The verse, what Paul, what the spirit, the text was not meant to, 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 to justify. But just like Samson, just like Samson, there are consequences of our choice um, to sin, even though God 
even in our sin, God can do only things God can do and take our mess ups and turn it out for good. But there are consequences to our sin. There are consequences to our sin. Well, wow, wasn't that wonderful? That see, see how Samson at the end, he was able to, to, to take out so many of the enemy? Yeah. He was blinded. God, uh, God's uh, uh, position, if you will, he, the, how the, Samson in his role as someone who wasn't supposed to put a razor to his hair, he disobeyed, he was blinded, he was, made a, he was mocked. Yeah, yeah, he took out a lot of people, but look what happened in the course of that. So, so let's, 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 let's remember there are consequences to our choices. Um, you ever read the fine print on those apps? I know you haven't, because all you do is you just, you know, it just, it's, it's like, it's, you got two choices. You accept or you decline. And if you want the app, you hit accept. You don't say, well, well you know what, well, let, let's strike this, let's, let's, let's X this out, and I'll take this provision, and I, but, but this provision here, I don't, it's like, nope. We ignore it, and we simply click accept. That doesn't work with God. We can claim a relationship. I clicked on it. I accepted it uh, on one day. And I said, count me in. But let's be very clear. Let, let me be very clear uh, about the criteria for relationship with God. It's not what I think. It's not what you think. Uh, but what God in the person of Jesus the Christ said this is, this is, let's define relationship because that, that will help us understand this text. This is Jesus speaking. In the 10th chapter, he writes, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them. And they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. What are you saying? What I'm saying is there's a direct relational connection between the sheep and the shepherd. There's a direct relational connection. If, 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 if uh, uh, Patrick and Rita were here, they could tell you all about sheep. They tell you all about how if I call them, they'll probably look at me. Maybe even turn their head and walk away. If they call them, they look up, and they'll probably trot over and respond. Uh, the sheep are tuned to and know the shepherd's voice. There's a corresponding response. The result is an eternal, unseverable relationship. So again, in verse 28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. The those, the those that Paul refers to are those that are in relationship with him. Paul's not talking about everybody. Paul's not even talking about people that may confess Christ. 
See, see, that's that's where we mess up. We 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 take a verse and and just the casual person, just someone that that you know has their name on a roll somewhere. It's just like, and then we appropriate a verse and we think that oh well that applies to me. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. I'm not the one. Uh, look at how he presents the relationship. This is very interesting. If you just look at the text, those who love him. Those who love him, love, present, active, verb. It's not a noun. It's not one and done. It's not raising a hand at one time. And it's like, well, I, I said I loved. How many of you in a, in a real relationship? It's like, why do I have to show love or affection or tell someone I love them? Uh, I, I, I said I loved you 10 years ago. What's, what's up? Wait, you got you got an issue with or something? It's like you mean I have to express love continually, um, but those having an ongoing re love relationship with God. There were many that trailed after Jesus, many, until, until, until. Until one such time, Jesus declared that unless you ate my flesh and drank my blood, you don't have any part with me. Well, until that time, it was good until, I mean, what's not the like, you know? If I follow after this rabbi, he provides bread and fish. I get a good message every now and then. I've got community. I've got, I, you know, I get to hang out. There are people that are around me. This is a pretty good deal. And he said, okay, let's, let's, kind of like Emerald Lagasse, let's kick it up a notch. Let's kick it up a notch. Eat my flesh. Drink my blood. This guy is insane. I'm not, I'm not, I put it. So let me ask the question. Let me ask a question, and please, 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 don't be quick to answer. Do you love God? Do, 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 you, do you love God? Are you in love with the loaves and the fishes? Do you love God? Or do you love the fish? Well, I love both. No, no, I'm asking you to choose. What do you, what do you, what do you love? Because the parenthetical aspect of all things working out for our good is that though is that those who love him have been called to his purpose. I know this is dense. I just, just stick with me. When you dissect the verse in this way, it does seem that the 26th and the 27th verses flow right into this to form a point. The point, the purpose, and the trajectory of our prayers. I love him. Let's assume that. I love him. I want to please him and live a life in accord with his purpose, not mine, but I don't know how to do that. I don't even know how to pray. No problem. The Spirit intercedes and petitions the Father with just what to say. 
And because the Father knows the mind of the Spirit, he does what he wanted to do all along. That's why, and that's only why, I know in all things God works for my good, period, full stop. All of that is preconditioned on, do you love him? All things work together for the good. Do you love him? Are you in relationship with him? One theologian writes, God's will is a result of his love for us and his plan for us. This divine plan guarantees the best for us. Obviously, talking about this passage, is on the security of the believer and must be understood this way. As we place our hope in God, we can be certain that we are shielded by God's power, 1 Peter 1 and 5, and that he is ensuring that in all our trials and troubles, all things work for our good. I hear you. I, I hear you. Okay, so what's the good Paul is writing about? Is it a eschatological good? It is a, it is a temporal good? Um, well, my response, you kind of guessed my response. The text doesn't say, and our argument can be made for both. My position is we don't have to choose. We don't have to choose if this is something working out for the good for some time in the future or something right here, right now, because we'll see in the 30th verse, our relationship, our life in him, with him, is a continuous, uninterrupted stream. Uh, but before we get to the 30th, let's deal with the 29th. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. We can go down, I know you guys probably, okay, so I was going to handle this. Uh, we can go down an incredible textual rabbit hole debating Calvinism or, or Arminianism, uh, uh, free will, no free will, uh, choice, no choice, trying our best to figure out how many angels can dance on the head of a pen. Don't bury your nose on the backside of a tree and miss the entire force what Paul is trying to say. This is not the place and we definitely don't have the time for this debate. Uh, what's more, we'll, we'll miss the whole point as I just said. He knew, this is, here, let me just cut to the chase. God knew us before there wasn't us. Are we good with that? God knew us before there was an us. And he set things in motion to conform, similarly shape us in the likeness of his son. I'm sure this analogy will break down. I was trying to think of a good one, but it'll, it'll probably break down at some point, but that's all right. Work with me, and then you can off-ramp when it's just like, okay, it doesn't make sense anymore. Okay. Think of it as a sports team, a great team. Dare I say a championship team. It has, it has a certain culture, right? Uh, think of basketball. So when I say for you basketball 
fans. When I say the Detroit Pistons, what do you think of? What is the image that comes to your mind? The Detroit Pistons. Bad boys. Defense. Hard nose. Okay. Yeah. When I say, no, I can't just say the Lakers. It's like, which Lakers? Kobe's Lakers? Magic Lakers? All right, let's go with Magic's Lakers. What do, I, what do you think of? You think of Showtime. Offense. Free flow. Beating teams 130 to 128. You know, that's, that's, that's the Lakers. Those that are on the team that are brought onto the team don't change the culture. If you're brought onto that team, that championship team, you don't change the culture. The culture changes you. Uh, and you conform to the team culture. In the body of Christ, God knew he was going to draft us before we were even born. He knew that Paul, Rachel, Jessica, you're going to be on the team. And he has a plan, it's called sanctification, to conform us in the image of the star player. Not Magic Johnson or Isaiah Thomas, but Jesus the Christ, uh, his son, uh, who Paul calls the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. I, I'm, I'm just about done. I'm closing. Uh, I want to caution us, though, again. I just feel the need that, like Judas, he was also on the team. He was one of the 12, not 15. He was one of the 12 and the keeper of the money. Proximity to Christ doesn't mean you're on the team. Because you're on the team doesn't mean you're part of the team. Uh, doesn't equate, being close to Christ doesn't equate to being in Christ. Verse 30. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Those in relationship were summoned. Those that were summoned have been declared righteous through the work of our Savior. And those of us that have been declared righteous have been, yes, I said, have been glorified. Although we have yet to take on the incorruptible form, the tense and the mood of the verb translated glorified lets us know that Paul is talking about something that's already done. It's already done. See, we're, we're living a life waiting for something that if we're in relationship with him, it's already done. I know, I, I know. It's like, uh, uh, <laughs> well, pastor, uh, and we've got every reason why we're not feeling it. And I can hear my father saying, we live beneath our privilege. We live beneath our privilege. One theologian writes, God is in control and the believer's security is anchored in his divine intention to bring his people to glory. A process that is firmly established in the fact that the Holy Spirit is our seal and deposit, guaranteeing our future inheritance. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. Closing. 
You've seen the show, uh, they've done a remake now, it's called To Tell the Truth, right? I think it comes on tonight, as a matter of fact. To Tell the Truth, it's, it's mildly entertaining. Uh, it's a game show and the judges are tasked with interviewing three guests. Two are imposters and one is legit. One is the, 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 and they are sworn to tell the truth. Without bragging, it ain't bragging if you can back it up now. So, so without bragging, I like pick them 99% of the time. It's like, he's lying, she's lying, that's the truth teller. Sister Meeks, if she were here, you, she, she can say so on Facebook, uh, she would say, well, how did you know? To me, it's obvious. Someone who's telling the truth doesn't try to tell the truth. They just tell the truth. If you really look at the other person, it's like you're trying to tell the truth. The legitimate, the real person just simply tells the truth. Others are trying to convince the judge that there's somebody that they're really not. Huh. Wonderfully, if, and that's a big if, it's a big if, if we are in relationship with God, here we go, he summons, he justifies, he glorifies, not one day and not somewhere out there, but right here, right now. Life is not intended for you to go, uh, uh, for you or me to go out and figure, figure it out or work things out because we're not capable. But there is one, as Jude lets us know, that is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory. We don't have to try and convince the judge. We, if I'm in relationship Again, I'm, I'm done. If I'm in relationship with Gail, if I'm in relationship with Gail, then my behavior will evidence that relationship in a love-centric uh, uh, outpouring that will affirm. I, love is the, the byproduct of the relationship. I, I, she will see that. She will see that. I'm in relationship with this man. He loves me. And, and, and I don't have to ask or he just, he's trying to please me. But a lot of times we go through life. Well, you know, I've been a bad boy. So let me go uh, buy some flowers and try and make up for it. See, that's, 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 that's what we do all through life. On the horizontal and on the vertical. We're buying flowers, trying to, trying to uh, 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 make up. For, it's like you can't do that. See, that's why Paul writes the way he does. Those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Though he justified, you are glorified. Not, not tomorrow. Not, it's because when we, when we close our eyes for the last time, we step out of this tent into his presence with, a, with an eternal body. But the glory, that was, the glory will be revealed that was already there when we entered into that relationship with God. But make sure you're in that relationship. Don't, don't, don't stand there and, uh, before the judge and it's like, 
Liar, liar, truth. Don't, don't, don't put yourself in that position. Well, well, you know, I was on the game show. I was one of three contestants. And it's like, no, that's not a criteria for being the one. Let's pray. Our Father, our God. Again, we say thank you. Thank you for Christ. Thank you for uh, the text. Thank you for uh, uh, the words that Paul shared that uh, we have the privilege to, to, to really look at and dissect and to uh, uh, consider, Father, the weight and the significance. Working out all things for the good. Father, even the things that are personally unpleasant, even distasteful, uh, things that I would probably try and avoid. But Father, you said in relationship that you're working it out for the good. I trust you because I can trust in no one else. There's no one else, no one else that I can trust. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your people. It's Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Let's go home. I invite you to drive carefully. Uh, don't, there's uh, no, no, no rush to go home early. Uh, avoid the accidents. Avoid the, the speeders that are out there. I just want to thank you all for, for joining us today, this morning, uh, physically. And those of you who have chosen to join us on, online. Continue to pray one for another. Uh, next Sunday is our, our youth Sunday, uh, so uh, they will be uh, in charge, and we look forward to that celebration. Continue to pray one for another. Again, thank you, Sister Wright, for uh, uh, your, just thank you. Continue to do what you do. Uh, again, reach out to Sister Wright if you, uh, if you or someone you know is experiencing difficulty, experiencing going through the process of uh, uh, dealing with cancer. Uh, Sister Wright is a welcome resource. Uh, she's a wonderful resource. So again, let's bow. Our Father, our God, again, we say thank you. Thank you for uh, this day. Thank you for waking us up. Thank you for an incredible weekend. Thank you for uh, the rain. Father, we ask that uh, you give us a safe passage home. Watch over us and protect us. Father, even on this week, Father, as we is those quiet times when we reflect and when we bow and we kneel and we, we utter words in prayer. Father, give us uh, what to say. And Father, in those times when we don't know what to say, uh, Father, we thank you in advance for your Holy Spirit that will interpret through groanings, Father, uh, what, we should, what we should have been asking for. And Father, you'll end up granting it, Father, because we're in a love relationship with you. Thank you. Knit us together, Father, as tightly as, as, as ever before. Father, continue to uh, mold and shape us into your image. And again, it is in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus the Christ, that we ask it all. Let every heart say, Amen. Amen. Greet somebody.